0: hello and welcome to the sacred remembering podcast the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are with me as your host sarah poet now if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit that's okay have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went wait i left something of myself back there along the way Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hey, it's Sarah, the host here and the creator of Embodied Breath, my private practice where I use alchemical coaching and healing methodologies to help you live into your full truth so that you can be who you desire to be in the world. I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that to own that truth changes and even saves her life. At sarahpoet.com, you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, my TEDx for modern women, an e-course for women to shift from silence into sacred truth, my blog with many more personal stories, information on conscious relationship and my work with couples and sacred union, links to working with me in various durations privately for leadership coaching and otherwise, you can schedule a consultation right there on the website if that's for you. Everything changes when we align to the truth of who we are, when we stop identifying with our old stories and traumas, and when we own that sacred truth and claim the path of sacred remembering for ourselves. I believe that it is the formula for everything from personal alchemy to planetary shifts. Thank you for being here, and thank you for helping to create change with your life at this time. Hey listeners, welcome back to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. I am so glad that you are here and today's episode is so delightful. I'm going to introduce that in just one moment, but I am wondering if you have heard the call to go over to Patreon slash Sarah Poet and support this podcast. And it's not necessarily about the money, although the money's great and helps to sustain the podcast and my living. However, what I'm calling for by May 31st is 100 patrons through Patreon. And I am really curious as to whether or not, or just holding the affirmation that yes, yes, we will spread this podcast. Once that happens, um, there's this theory about the hundredth monkey, um, which biologists studying monkeys saw that um, new behaviors in the environment would spread once 100 monkeys learned the behavior in a certain population of a certain size. So I'm just like, let's play with that 100 number, please. And I want to see what happens when we generate the energy of 100 patrons through Patreon um, in the month of May. I really, really believe that we can generate a lot of energy into this sacred remembering movement and really spread these podcast episodes. So Patreon works in a monthly donation basis. You can donate $5 a month. Like seriously, everyone can do that. And I'm asking you to take that action right now. So taking that action into this podcast is greatly, greatly appreciated. Now I'm going to move on to this week's episode with Emily Harrison. Emily is such a delight. Oh my gosh, you are going to just beam with joy multiple times throughout this episode. Let me introduce her. After becoming a certified Akashic Records practitioner in 2015, Emily's life shifted dramatically. She left behind a career in Hollywood, creating a healing business that includes teaching, speaking, she's a contributor to the Huffington Post, and she mentors others to manage their personal energy and advance their intuition to heal their bodies and their minds and unlock access to infinite intelligence. Emily is the founder and director of the Akashic Academy which is a modern day mystery school dedicated to sharing knowledge that is changing the planet. And in this episode, we cover so many amazing topics. I think we could have talked all day, um, including ancient remembering, accessing the sacred archives, the Akashic records, living in personal truth, what the divine really wants from you, how to manifest how our soul is always collecting details on the path of remembering and becoming. We talk about that on this podcast a lot, following the breadcrumbs. We talk about how to shift from religious upbringing into channeling the divine ourselves and how to begin learning the easy way and taking agency in your own spirituality. Thank you so much for being here, listeners and Emily, and here is the interview. Hi, Emily. Sarah, welcome to the Sacred Remembering podcast. Thank you so much for being here.
1: I have been looking forward to this time with you. Of course, this is the the first day that you and I are actually meeting. We've been talking to each other on social media, and I I just said before, probably before you um actually turn on the recording and allow people into this sacred conversation, that I said. I'm pretty sure I'm in love with you. Your energy (laughs) is so powerful and the audience you're bringing in the work you're doing is magical. And it's, it's just such an honor for me to be a part of it. So thank you so much for
0: having me here. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And your compliment given what you do with akashic records i'm like oh girl that was a big compliment and thank you <laughs> like i'm uh, like uh okay i'll take that in <laughs> oh i'm so excited
1: to share the magic of the akashic records more yeah. with you and your audience today because it is in my opinion one of the most powerful tools for sacred remembrance that exists on the planet it is technology spiritual technology that every human being has access to. So I'm excited to dive in and illuminate more for everyone today.
0: Thank you so much. I'm really excited about the words spiritual technology.
1: Ooh, doesn't a- that turn it on a little bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, this is the first time on the podcast that we're talking about Akashic Records. And I just really trust that we are all going to get an illumined education here from you today, hey, Emily. I've definitely had my records read. Um a good friend of mine opened up the records. Um she was my TEDx like coach and mentor and but really like she was my spiritual sister mama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um and friend and we opened up the records uh, quite a bit in that experience. And so but I don't I don't know in this lifetime right now, know cognitively how to open them. I've been like l- a little bit trained, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't I don't claim to know right now. I mean <laughs> by this time next year I'll be like, who wants an Akashic Records That's reading? Right. That's my or, like next month. <laughs> well chances are just,
1: Yeah, you've stumbled yeah. into them in dream time, in meditation. I mean Albert Einstein went in and used the Akashic Records mm. teach you know, Tesla anytime that we're having those aha moments where pieces just seem to drop in out of nowhere, well, they're not coming from nowhere. They're coming from your Akashic Records. So while many on the planet right now are waking up to that remembrance of exactly how to get into them and how to use them, I can guarantee that probably 90% of your audience has stumbled
0: onto them at some point in time without realizing it. Okay, so let's talk about this because it is a tool for remembrance. And so when we're having these aha's or we're getting these answers or we're pulling them forward, you're saying that the the information is already in the records.
1: Absolutely. Let me just give a little context of what the records are if this is the first time you're ever even hearing that term. Great. So the Akashic records are the realm of consciousness where all information exists. It's known as the sacred library. Perhaps you've heard of the Book of Life. I grew up very Southern Baptist, all up in the the Baptist church. I was Sunday morning, Sunday night. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. I was in the youth group, going to church camp. Don't get me wrong, I was also sneaking out of my house and the boys were picking me up at the top of the hill. So I had this <laughs> beautiful duality about myself from the, from the get-go. But the records are this realm of consciousness where all information has been stored. Every detail of Our past, our present, and all possible futures. The future exists in infinite possibility. So there's always wiggle room in our future. But all of this information is collectively stored in a matrix or a library, depending on if you're more a science or more of a literature kind of mind. But either one of those will help give you framework to understand this is the catalog of all intelligence in the universe.
0: And anybody can access it.
1: Anybody can access it, yes. Now, there are certain what I would call locks on the Akashic Records. There are certain um, elements that we need to prepare ourselves in going in to get the most value out of that space. And really what that is, is it's a purification. Now, most people, when I say purification, even high-level beings uh, – as recently as last week, I was in an event in San Diego, with very conscious entrepreneurs. And when I was talking about the Akashic Records and the purity that we need to go in, even some of the Taoist masters were there like, oh, well, that might exclude me. I oh, don't know that I'm not pure. Mm. So let me explain really what, what purity means mm. it means the, the willingness to course correct Ooh. and your willingness to love yourself. And if you have those key components in place, yes, anybody can access this realm of consciousness. Now, the more you love yourself, the more access you're going to get. Self-love and your willingness to be compassionate and forgiving of yourself and also witness the truth of who you are allows the most dynamic access. So in order to get those really high-level information um, from consciousness and begin to assimilate this intelligence into our life, you've got to be willing to love yourself, which means that you are acting in your highest good and the highest good of everyone connected to you.
0: That makes all the sense in the world. Woo! Yes. The, I love it. Yes. Yes. The self-love component. And then uh, also though what you said, the truth of who you are, mm-hmm. like the more, I find that the more we are willing to align with that authentic truth of who we are, that's when we get the enlightened information. And, you know, there were many years of my life where I was like, being heady about spirituality or mm-hmm. i was still you know coming from like traumatized places and wanting like new enough spiritually to know that there were more answers out there for me whether it be like in the records or i was going at it through another like tarot reading or something like that but i i wanted the answers like i wanted to know but it was a it was from a place of like ego mm-hmm. and wanting to be enough you know it was from a deficit place
1: well, I hear you, girl. The very first Akashic Record reading that I had was a gift that my mother gave to me probably 20 years ago now. Wow. And this was back when I was still a Hollywood actress before I had my full remembrance came online mm-hmm. of who I was. And I used that session to be like, where's my next action job coming? Yeah. When is the breakthrough coming? And I remember my guides were laughing at me a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, screw you. Why? What? what? Why are you laughing at me? Like, this is serious. This is who I'm here to be. <laughs> Stop laughing. Right? Yeah. But, but it was still coming from the place of ego. And ego for me is any time that we define ourselves as separate from source energy. Right. And so I was still in that space where I wasn't enough and I needed to know when it was going to unfold for me. I needed to know what, what do I need to do to get the obstacles out of my way? Because I was willing to do just about anything to make that yeah. happen. I had quite a bit of success in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But the, the truth and understanding of who I was and what I was here to do wasn't fully illuminated for me at that time.
0: Right. And so it was, it, I don't know, at that point in time, is that about like, it's about acquiring, you know, we're still in this mm-hmm. like deficit mindset where we're like, okay, in order for life to feel good, I have to acquire this and acquire that. And maybe it's like the job or the partner or yes. the money. So I know readers get a lot of questions of like, when is the man mm-hmm. going to come? When oh, yeah. is the money going to come? So mm-hmm. how do you, how do you work with that?
1: Well, the first thing that I, I want to say is when you were talking about acquiring the things, what I began to realize was my life in Hollywood was about acquiring skills I was actually acquiring the metaphysical skills that I needed to do the work that I'm doing now. And definitely want to dive in and talk more about that. But to answer your specific question, how do I deal with it when people are like, when is this happening? When is this happening? When is this happening? The records don't tend to answer our questions like in six months. It's more like a gateway. It's when this is aligned in your life. You know, when when your value is fully intact, your self-value, when you have gone through a process of radical self-acceptance and you've left behind the baggage and the trauma and the ceilings that you've put on yourself that limit your success, that's when you fully align to the love, the dream job. You get an inspired idea, which becomes your business, which becomes your sole mission. But it's about getting the stuff out of your way first so that you can see it. The answers are all around you. They're just mm-hmm. unseen because we still have veils over our eyes that don't allow us to fully see and know at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So rather than giving people the a timeline of when these things are going to come, we dive in and we begin to look at what's standing in the way that's still creating this experience to be unseen for you.
0: Mm -hmm. And then in the records, you're looking in this library or in this book of life Mm -hmm. and you're able to see soul purpose and soul remembrance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you say more about that? And I do want to go back to Hollywood. We're not Mm going to leave Hollywood behind. (laughs) <laughs> <What happened> there? <laughs> yeah, but that's soul remembrance. So, so how does one use the Akashic records to align with soul purpose to, um, you know, to, to be on there like that? Truly,
1: Sarah, it's as easy as calling it forward in that space. So the mm. records work by what we know as invitation only. And that doesn't mean that the records only invite certain ones of us. It means once we get into that space we must invite the knowledge that we are seeking. And that first session that I had, I was inviting the knowledge that had to do with the timeline of me being a Hollywood actress. And so I was asking the questions of when is this going to happen? When is this unfolding? How is this going to look? And they gave me the information to the best of their ability, my guides, but it really had to do more with me. Right. Right. And so, to get your sole purpose and to have that information be revealed, truly all we need to do is ask and invite it in. Now, it's not quite as hands-off as I just made it seem like you go and you say, what is my sole purpose? Part of our ancient remembrance is really, and I believe, remembering from childhood. What did you want to be when you were a kid? What was alive in your heart and mind and soul? Because when we come into this planet, We know we are born with our soul mission. We know what it is. We tend to forget it as we're going through the process of being human and and all of our the programming, some of it not so good, is taking a hold in our life. We tend to forget what that what that soul remembrance is. So I can almost guarantee you, if you have if you feel lost and you don't know really what your soul purpose is, and you go in and you say, What is my soul purpose? It's not gonna drop in like, oh, You're here to be an artist and to affect the world with your art and inspire new ideas. You're going to be invited to remember your passion, your dream, what makes you excited now, what, what feels playful and authentic to you. Because one of the beautiful things about this planet that we're on and this time that we're living is that our free will and the desires that we have to experience life are 100% connected to our soul purpose. But we have the opportunity through our free will to invite that in to get truthful about who we are and authentic about who who we are. If you're scared to say, this is what I want in life, then when you go in and ask your records for clarity on what you're here for, (laughs) you're going to get prompts that are going to invite you to stop being so scared and just say what it is that you want. Because it's inherently within you anyway. And so many of us are waiting for some kind of an outside confirmation of what that is. I remember I would go sit down in the psychic's office or a tarot card reader. And truthfully, I would be wanting them to tell me that I was a thought leader and I was a visionary and I was here to make impact on the planet. But I wouldn't speak up and say that. I would just be like, well, what do the cards have to say for me? Mm -hmm. So the more right. specific and the more ferocious that you can get about just being authentic about what you want, the more dynamically that can begin to unfold for you.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, because if <laughs> a lot of women listening to this podcast were like, we're bigger than we're admitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's like, it's a theme. I mean, women have like we have we've been made small, we've been playing small, we, you know, we've been just like uh, raised to believe that
1: we're smaller than we are. Like, we are so big. Yeah. You're so <laughs> telepathic. Like, literally the question that I was just going to pose mm. to everyone here is take a moment, get quiet and answer this question for for yourself. Where am I still playing small? What, how am I paying the price for playing small?
0: Mm.
1: How are the people around me paying the price for my playing small? such great questions to ask ourselves to illuminate really a breakthrough. Yes. Yeah. And being really fucking honest. Oh, I love that you said the F bomb. Now yeah. I can say it too. Cause I was in Hollywood. Oh yeah. The time. I speak French, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That playing small, there's a book called uh, playing big and I listened to it twice last year. And my friends mm-hmm. and I were listening to it at the same time. And we were like, uh, okay, we're still playing, playing small in so many areas. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when when you step out on a path like this, there's there's like, um, in the process of the remembering and of the going for it, there's also this funny thing about, like, you're simultaneously playing small, or I was simultaneously, mm-hmm. simultaneously playing small, but like hoping somebody else sees you as big. And then there, there's like this place where you're like, if I don't see me as big and claim that, then um, ain't nobody going to do it for me. (laughs) Right? Right. True that. True that.
1: One of the most powerful reasons that I place really great mentors in my life is part of what you said, because I know that they can see through my playing small. And they do hold a space for me. They hold a witnessing space for me to step up and get big. But I have to be willing to be so authentic with myself. I have to be willing to radically course correct where I call myself out for playing small. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, we can't expect others to be the ones that see us as big and hold the gateway open. But we can have powerful mentors in our life that if, when we're willing to call ourselves out for playing small, they can hold the space open then for us to get big. And I think the, the witnessing as we're growing is so, so important. It's one of the reasons that community is important, that having mentors is really important because I do believe that in order to stabilize in a higher frequency of yourself, You need somebody to witness the release of your shit as it's going away Mm -hmm. and hold that gateway open for you when you're ready to step up and get big. Mm -hmm. Because there are, there's going to be a lot of things that come up that are challenging. And -hmm. when you have that witness of someone who does see the authentic you and can hold that space open, it's really helpful, but no, nobody else can be the catalyst Mm -hmm. of, of you getting really big.
0: Right. Yes. Thank you. Um, I recently had this experience. So I told a story um, on the vagina monologue stage and then I released a podcast, a bonus podcast that was contrasting like the TEDx experience and Mm -hmm. and the vagina monologues experience and how in one, anyway, like it was all about women's voice and the day that I released it, recorded it and released it. I knew I was like, I just did a thing that was really important on my path. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Mm and my good, good friend reflected to me what I had done. So Mm. I have a question for you in just a a moment, but I wanted to say to anyone listening, like, let's reflect, let's be that sacred mirror with and Mm. for one another, because there was this like, huh, okay, I just did a big thing. And then when my friend offered and volunteered, like, sister, I see you doing this big thing Then I was like, oh, there it is. There's the mirror. Mm, yes. There's like, thank you for reflecting. So I wanted to say that that it's important that we do that. I think um, now more than ever as we're taking these strides as women to be bigger and to live more in our authenticity. You know, like when you see a woman be brave and courageous, like thank her and tell her who you witnessed. Yes. You know? Yes. My question to you is, how do you pick your mentors?
1: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Uh, kind of like how I
1: picked my OBGYN when I mm. first having my first baby. I say a little prayer. I go in. I get really clear about what I'm ready for, what I want to open up to. And then I allow the universe to deliver. Mm. And I really allow you know the synchronicity to unfold. I believe that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to... Find somebody who is compassionate yet strong, and will not let you get away with with your shit. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just talking with one of my mentors a couple days ago, and he was like, "You know, Emily, I see you as this grandmother energy, and you're the grandmother on the porch, and you're rocking gently. And there's a there's a beauty and an approachableness to you, and there's wisdom and and when I come to you because he actually comes to me for Akashic wisdom as well. He's coaching me in business, but he he's an ancient Taoist master and wants to get more in touch with his ability to uh, tap the intelligence of the universe. So he says, I I know that when I come to you that, that I'm going to get the compassion and I'm going to get the, the intelligence. And I also know not to fuck with grandma. Like this is Mm -hmm. grandma's house Mm -hmm. and it's established. And I know that I can't get away with my shit here. And that's just what it looks like. It looks like that beautiful balance of someone that's going to love and hold you in a space where you can grow, but also not let you get away with, get away with your old patterns. Mm -hmm. I I will not stand with you in your lies. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to be um, angry or uh, aggressive towards you, but when you're coming to me and you have a story of lack or of a ceiling that you can't break through or this is why this pattern keeps coming up and I can't break it. I'm not going to stand with you in your lies. I'm mm-hmm. going to allow you to present them so that we can release them. But I'm mm-hmm. not going to buy into that story. I'm going to hold you in a tighter space where you can grow and step up. And so I look for that same level of compassion, yet not letting you get away with old patterns when I'm, when I'm looking for my mentors.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Can we go back to Hollywood? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, let's talk about the path of your own remembering. Oh, what a time. What a
1: time, Sarah. Now, to be clear, I still am remembering uh, a course, decent yeah. amount every day of who I am. It just gets more and more juicy. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, uh, when I was in Hollywood, this is where it really began to take hold for me. And um, I remember I, I shared with you guys that I grew up in a really small town about three thousand people right on the Mississippi River, and I quit college when I was nineteen, hightailed at the Hollywood. Now I had had scholarships to college, and so me quitting felt like it felt it, it felt like the first like big breakthrough moment of my life. I remember I was sitting at the stoplight getting ready to turn into my apartment building after class one day. And you know how you're kind of like sitting there sometimes and you zone out? Mm -hmm. This is what happened to me. And my brainwave shifted. My consciousness shifted. And all of a sudden, this first piece of remembrance came in for me. And I'd heard all of my life, you know, your life is yours. You can do what you want with it. And yeah, I was like, okay, cool. All of a sudden, it hit me in that moment. It's like I embodied it. And I thought, what am I doing here? I want Mm. to, I'm a storyteller. I want to illuminate the human experience through my body. Now, I didn't have these words at 19. Right. It it looked more like, I want to be an actress. I want to go to Hollywood. (laughs) But there was that embodiment in that moment Mm. that allowed me to say, you know what? It gave me permission to say, screw you, Mizzou. I was going to University of Missouri, Columbia. I don't care how many scholarships I have. I don't care how successful, how good I am at this. This is not not in alignment with me. So that was really the first piece of, of remembrance of who I was that allowed a big shift in my life. Now, I didn't go instantly into what my sole purpose was. I went to Hollywood to become a, f- a famous actress, to come s- go seek my fame and fortune in mm. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What I realized was now, what I should say, what I realized looking back is that there were many skills that I needed to wake up to and remember there in Hollywood. One is the importance of storytelling because we are truly the storytellers of our own lives and how important it is to be able to recognize like you're you're a character in the role of your life, the story of your life, and you get to write it. So that empowerment was one big skill that I needed. Another one was acting actually taught me how to channel. Oh,
0: interesting. Being, yeah. I being to more on about stage, that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And, and, and having to get out of my own way and not judge or edit myself and how I thought I was doing or how I thought I was messing up this character and just let an experience of this character take over. And I think something that happens to really good actors and why they love it is the character will take on a life of its own and begin to illuminate and reveal itself through you, through your, through your physical body and your emotions and your, your vessel. And this is what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. I was experiencing the moments when I could get out of my own way and stop judging myself, stop wondering, ooh, did that come off the way that I wanted it to come off and just allow the consciousness to take over through my body. I was actually channeling a character in that moment. That gave me the skills, the understanding, the framework to learn to get out of my own way and to channel through the Akashic Records. I have experienced channeling in um, different collectives through the Galactic Federation, different beings like Archangel Michael, like Kuan Yin, the Palladian Collective. And it's actually quite easy to do once we learn the skills and the mechanics of how to do it. Mm-hmm. I also became real damn good at the law of attraction there in Hollywood because it is, it is competitive. It is difficult to get jobs. And I was willing to do just about anything to get jobs. And I remember my good girlfriend who worked at a restaurant with me, so you probably, or maybe you haven't heard this, once an actor, always a waiter. <laughs> So I, I spent a good amount of time slinging hash in fancy fancy restaurants and diners there in um, Beverly Hills. There was one in particular, Kate Mantellini, which was the most upscale truck stop diner that you have ever seen. I think mm-hmm. our mac and cheese was like a $25 entree that you could get. But it really nice. it was like home style food, but really like upscaling it. So my girlfriend and I were working in... In this upscale diner, and she gave me a book by Florence Scovel Shin called The Game of Life and How to Play It. And Mm -hmm. I first began using the knowledge that I was getting in there to get dinner at the restaurant. There were certain items on the menu that I really loved, but I didn't want to pay $25 for the mac and cheese or the chili, the white chili that they had. So I would just go into manifesting a mistake being made in the kitchen, and I would Mm -hmm. end up getting that meal. And when it started working, I was like, oh. I'm going to start using this in my, in my, in my career to get jobs. And I began to get really, really good at at manifesting acting jobs. So there was an aspect to opening my awareness to non-physical energy, metaphysics, the law of attraction that I really needed growing up in a really sheltered small town where the paradigm of religion and what it means to connect with God looked one certain way, looked the way that it did but didn't really fully fulfill me or honestly make a lot of sense to me. I mean, there was a lot of things about the way that I was taught about God. that I was just like, hmm, I don't know that I really buy into that. So I needed a framework to understand the non-physical energies, the spiritual energies and how they were working and how they were at play. Before I would have thought, well, God's the one who gives you that. You have to be a good girl and then you get them from God. And then I had the experience of learning how to manage my own internal energy where I was drawing that experience into my field. So that was a really huge part of my growth. Another big piece that fell in place for me in Hollywood was Tai Chi Qigong. There was a Tai Chi master who, again, would come into this restaurant. This restaurant was like a vortex of energy for so much of my learning. It sounds so fun. Yeah, had so many, so many connections that I made through my life. And there was a gentleman who would come in late at night. He was actually, he was Stevie Wonder's bodyguard. And he was also um, very versed and trained in Chinese medicine. He was considered a doctor in China. And really what he loved to do was meditate all day. And so when he wasn't working with Stevie and traveling with Stevie, he would come in And he would, like, he would come in late at night after meditating for, like, 10 to 15 hours. And he'd just be like, ah, I got to get out of it and get into the real world. And he was such a regular in our restaurant, we all got to know him really well. And he wanted to start teaching Tai Chi and Qigong. So he offered all of us there the opportunity to come hang out with him in Panhellenic Park in L.A., which uh, it has a really cool like amphitheater circular kind of space where we would actually go and do the Tai Chi Chi Gong. And I was one of the only people that showed up to work with him. And the ancient remembrance that began to come through me as I was learning the the different moves, the postures, how to um, work through and the different energies and how to bring my, my Chi energy to life really was activating me to My ancient part of my ancient lineage, which definitely comes from Taoism. Now, I think we all Mm -hmm. have ancient lineage from a lot of different places, but I specifically acknowledge Taoism, ancient Egyptian lineage, um, connection to the Pleiades. Many, many of you out there probably feel a connection to being a Palladian in the past life or in a future life. Palladians are actually future future versions of human beings. So these ancient remembrances of who I was began to come alive for me in Hollywood as well. Furthermore, thick skin, not given a shit what people think about me because I experienced rejection on a daily rejection. basis. Rejection. Right? That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And rejection was one of my life issues. I didn't realize until I went through my experience of learning to read the records that this was something that I carried in my DNA. And my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, who passed um, last year in the springtime, she had the experience of growing up without a mom because her mother died from complications of an abortion. And so this rejection that she had taken on from a young child was passed through the DNA. And it was so alive in me. And I realized that it was my job to clear this ancestral energy and not pass it along to my children. I have three of them now. And I was able to work that out in Hollywood. Like you experience rejection on a daily basis and you figure out how to work through that. You know, it, it becomes, it becomes something that you just, you, you learn how to release.
0: Right. So yeah, let's, can we pause there and go a little bit deeper for our listeners? Like, Okay, so there's this generational, intergenerational trauma that you received. And then there's the, you're in, I mean, trying to get acting gigs. There's probably like, there's rejection. I was reading on your blog about this too, um, about your grandmother and, and, um, and, and a little bit of the story. So I invite everyone to go read your blog. It's, I, I couldn't pull myself away. I'm having a very <laughs> similar experience, like listening to your voice. I'm like, I just could listen to your stories all day. So thank you for telling them. Mm. But you're in, you're in Hollywood and the rejection process is like relatively brutal. There's mm-hmm. not like a, let me console you to tell you that you didn't get this gig. It's just like, you didn't get it period, you know, or like, yes. you're just guessing about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so there's the wound, and then you're almost getting the lesson in one of the harshest ways possible, right? Like the continual harsh, oh, harsh, yeah. well, like opportunity. The hard to
1: way. Yeah, learning the hard way was a theme of my life as well until I realized, mm. oh, there's another way we can actually learn the easy way. And it Mm. takes, it takes an ancient remembrance of who we are and an access point of intelligence like the Akashic records to really begin Mm. learning the easy way. But at that point in time in my life, I was definitely a learn the hard way kind of girl. It was just part of my
0: story. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Me too. I have, I have a lot of similarity there. So, so you're learning, but then like, were you also, so you had the Tai Chi Um, and so you were bringing in these like ancient practices and the ancient remembering. So at the time that you were experiencing this rejection, you also had the awareness like, Oh, I'm working something out here. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Or you were just doing it?
1: I think I was just doing it and going through it. I think that I, I knew on some level, Sarah, that I was doing very, very deep work. You know what? It's similar to what you talked about earlier about how you intuitively felt like you were doing something big, but you didn't necessarily have the vocabulary or the witness for it at that point in time, the mirror yeah. for it. And I think I was at that place.
0: Yeah. And when you, <laughs> maybe one, one clue for folks listening is like when you learn the hard way, you can, you can almost be assured. I think that your soul's trying to work something out. <laughs> yep. I, oh, that's so Here good. <laughs> yeah. Like, your soul is searching for it. Like, if you keep beating your head against the wall about a certain thing, like, your soul is looking for you to resolve this.
1: Ooh, I heard that.
0: Yes. I had a few of those. I still might. (laughs) I'm going to have a few of those, too, in my life. Yep. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then, like, okay, so you're in Hollywood, and then you decided to leave Hollywood and begin... I did. I had a a mystical experience that Mm
1: -hmm. it became undeniable to me that we all have these gifts and skills. So I shared how I was using the law of attraction to get more acting jobs, get more acting jobs. Now, in order to be really good at the law of attraction and managing your energy, you gotta meditate. You just have to, it's a non-negotiable. Everyone needs 20 minutes of meditation a day. Unless you're too busy, then you need an hour yeah, right? that's an ancient <laughs> Asian, Asian Buddhist proverb. I did that wasn't actually brilliance that came from Emily Harrison, but I definitely go back and use that a lot. So I began to be a regular meditator, and I stumbled onto a podcast, Darius Beraznte, You Wealth Revolution. I don't know if anybody's heard of that before, hmm. but I would listen every day. I was a groupie, and Darius would bring on different um, metaphysicians I might have made up that word. Different spiritual gurus. A lot of people don't love the word guru, but it, it doesn't really bother me. Okay. So he would bring on those with um, Reiki knowledge, those with um, human blueprint knowledge, those who had developed their own their own practices and modalities. People who spoke white language, and I would listen to every single one of these podcasts. And there was always a practice that we would do together. And I would do the practice, and I would feel the shift in my body. And I began to heal myself of a lot of dis ease that had come up. Now, while I say, yeah, you get used to, you know, you you find a way to conquer the rejection, it was an instantaneous conquering of it. I Man, I took on a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. I actually took medication, you know, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicine for a while because it was it was just alive and part of my field. It was something I was dealing with, something I was working with. Mm-hmm. I hated the effects that I was getting my sex drive was gone. I didn't sleep well. I would have the sweats at night. <clears throat> and it just it wasn't working for me. And as I began to do these practices, these skilled, these meditation um, experiences, I began to feel relief mm. of all of those things that were pressing down on me. And I, and I realized every single time I'm like, oh, I think I just healed myself. Oh, I think I just healed myself of something. <laughs> and I did this for <laughs> so many years and got so excited about all the different modalities I was learning. Like I couldn't even pick one that I wanted to dive into. I'm like, damn, all these work. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I can't deny Sarah is that underneath it all, I kept hearing this voice saying, you can do this too. You can do this too. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where I had shifted so much in myself. I just naturally wanted to start practicing on other people. I didn't have any certifications. I didn't have any formal training, but I wanted to practice and help people and I remember um, living in in a neighborhood right outside of LA. My kids were going to school right at the street and it was a time in my life where I acting was my only job besides being a mom. So when my kids were at school, if I didn't have an audition or something, I had the day to sit and meditate, to cook, to do whatever it was that excited me, walk my dogs. And there was a neighbor who I knew just from walking his dog in the neighborhood. And I hadn't seen him for like six months. I'm sitting out on my porch, drinking my iced tea. And all of a sudden I see Daniel limping down the street. And I'm like, Daniel, what happened to you? And I hadn't seen him for so long. So I knew something had happened. He said, oh, I broke my ankle and it's just not healing well. And I'm really struggling. And I said, well, do you want to come over for some energy healing? And then it was instantly like, Ooh, And it covered my mouth. Or, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> ah, like I'm not an energy healer. Wait, I can't believe I said that. But it was too late. It was already out. And yeah. he said, sure. And then I'm like, oh shit, now what do I do? <laughs> so he said, let me put my dog away and I'll come over. And so during the time that he was putting his dog away on his way over, I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so i set him up on my Zen garden, my little porch outside, propped his ankle up, went and got my iPad, plumped ear- big old earphones on him. I turned on 528 hertz of the sulphagio scale, which is a, a powerful energy healing um, frequency that actually repairs broken DNA mm. in, in, in scientific labs. So I thought, oh, this one will work for him. So I plunk on 528 hertz. And I had this tuning fork that my mom had given me as a, a Christmas present. And I just started like waving my tuning fork around his ankle, not knowing what the heck I was doing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, his father who had passed came into my awareness. And I'd been doing this work long enough to know, oh, here's what's going on here. Now, I wasn't a medium, did not consider myself psychic necessarily, but like I said, had had enough self-study that I knew what was going on. And I'm like, oh, this is where I start just talking to you telepathically, I guess. <laughs> I to his dad, ask the dumbest question to start off. What's your name? Because that's, that's kind of the hardest stuff to get. Mm-hmm. Right? And sometimes it's not even really important. But I, I dove right in for it. I asked, what's, well, what's your name? And I was getting Bob, 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 but not Bob. It's J name, but Bob, like a short name. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so I began to ask more questions and get more knowledge and information from him. And um, the next thing I know, the meditation had ended and I took the headphones off and stopped waving my tuning fork around and sent Daniel home. Didn't say anything about his dad coming in. And as I went inside to start putting things away and like washing my hands and, you know, just like splashing some water on my face, I could not release the... The nudge to reach out to Daniel and say, Hey, your dad came in, in this conversation. And I'm not a medium. I don't consider myself psychic, but I feel like I, I I will share the information with you. I don't know if it's right or how it's going to come across, but if you would like it, I'll give it to you. And he said, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. And I said, so he came back over and, and the first question I said was, Oh, well, what was your dad's name? And he said, Alan, I'm like, ah, oh, damn.
0: <laughs> Got that one wrong. And so I told
1: him, this is what I was getting. I was getting Bob, 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 but a J name, but Bob. And that's his face just went white. And he said, my dad's middle name was J, Jay, J-A-Y. And he went by J. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I was like, all right, we're on to something here. And then the rest of the information that I began to reveal um, was so spot on. And I could see the healing washing over him. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the things that Daniel's dad said was he, took, he was taking credit for saving Daniel in the accident. And when I was having the telepathic conversation with him, I'm like, well, you did a shitty job. Mm-hmm. Like his ankle shattered. He's barely walking. But then Daniel told me the story. of, And it, it's one of those stories of he had fallen. And uh, he was on a second-story balcony. And if he would have fallen just an inch the other way, he would have gone crashing down two flights of concrete stairs Mm. and probably not lived through Mm -hmm. the experience or or been severely paralyzed. And it was one of those things where the paramedics were telling him, man, if you would have just been, you're so lucky, one more inch and you would have been a goner. And when I shared that with Daniel and he realized that his dad had had a, whew, gets me a little bit in the back of my throat, had had a an effect on um that experience with him. Daniel felt so healed and so connected to his dad. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that moment, man, anybody can do this. And we have we we must know as human beings that we are missing the tune the turning on of our intuitive senses. Because I didn't, I, I wasn't, well, I think we're all born into the world psychic, but I didn't. I wasn't developed. The skills weren't just naturally turned on. Like I had to work at it Mm -hmm. to turn them on. But when I did, it was real. And it was creating such an impact in people's lives. I was like, all right, Hollywood, screw you. I got to find, and I didn't care what certification it was. For me, I knew it wasn't yoga. I knew it wasn't Reiki. Those were really the only like kind of woo-woo experiences or certifications that I knew about getting and, um, but I knew that I, it had to be something I had to do something. And so I'd had a conscious life magazine, one of the, a free publication that I'd picked up on my last audition in Hollywood. And I start flipping through that thing, like crazy, like looking for, it. I'm like, I know it's in here. I know it's in here. I know it's in here. And I'm flipping through it. And then bam, there's a tiny little ad in the back for the acoustic records and acoustic record training. And I remember the session that my mom had gifted me, mm. you know, 10 years prior at this point. And I'm like, yep, that's it. That's me. And I called, signed up to class. I went through three levels of certification. Just like bam, 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 ancient remembrance was just flooding back. Every class I took, more and more was flooding back. And at that point, I knew this. Th- this is where i meant to be. I
0: love that so much. I love the words "ancient remembrance." Hmm. It's just. I mean, it's it's. It's just there and available. Yeah. Just the words begin to call it forth. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like it's like an easy access. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's not work. It's making yourself available.
1: Ah, yes.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I Ah. could talk to you all day long. (laughs) That's how I feel. Thank you. Um, there are just so many wisdom nuggets here and I know I am just uh, the feeling inside of me right now is like let it all sink in like Mm -hmm. let let this um it's almost like an it's an invitation I think Mm -hmm. that you've that you've put out um that we all allow and there there was a thing that you said earlier about your relationship with God and religion and being in, I can't quote you directly because I'm terrible with direct quotes, but the essence (laughs) was like, you didn't know that you had choice. And then the word that I wrote down was agency. Like when you recognize that you have agency Mm. in your life, I don't think you said the word agency, but you were talking about like, oh, I was using this book and I was practicing this Mm. manifestation and I realized like I have a part to play in my own life and my own spirituality. Mm. Um, And that then tied in with what you were saying about Daniel and recognizing that you have the gifts. I think this is, this is what's really landing for me is that everyone has gifts beyond what we can see and beyond what we can remember. And Trusting that in a world that makes you almost odd for being different. And (laughs) I feel like you and I are like, go the whole way, like be the whole way different. Lean into it. Lean into whatever the nudge is because like it's your soul calling you home. Mm. Yes, Sarah, yes. Mm-hmm. is there is there anything else that is um really alive for you that you want to share before we share with folks where to find you where to find your work
1: yeah and that is that the the expansion the journeying the releasing of the old parts of ourself and the creating what we want to experience never ends mm-hmm. even though i got very clear about uh, the Akashic Records being my my sole mission to share this technology with the planet, I've noticed that it's continued to evolve and continue to shift. So I invite everyone to um, don't don't be scared about having to pick one thing and what it looks like. Yeah, you know, as as I've continued to evolve and grow and grow in my business. It's not just about the Akashic Records and teaching them online for people now. I mean, it's so beautiful that we can connect with every person throughout the world with this beautiful thing called the internet, but I've begun to see a desire to create in-person experiences and to take people into sacred vortexes on the planet where we can have that embodied experience of being present in Places where we've actually left behind sacred code, sacred memory. Mm -hmm. And this has been a new aspect coming online for me. And so there's a whole new branch of my business now that involves sacred travel into the Mm vortexes, so that I can be present in the same space with the people that I'm working with. Because there's a transmission that happens when we're in presence with each other in physical presence. So while I thought at one point in time, ah, oh, I could just have an incredible business working online with people who want to learn to read the records, it's continued to grow and expand. And I just share that so that any fear that you have about like having to pick the right thing and yeah. for this to be the, this is the one. Because so many of us have tried so many different things and then it didn't <laughs> work out the way we think and we're like, oh, yeah. what went wrong with that? No, I embrace the process. This is the creative process. Right? right. Our dream life has its own consciousness. And when you first start to tune into it, you're only going to have the tiniest blip of what right. it looks like. So be prepared for continued evolution and expansion to continue to grow and shift when you do find that thing. It feels Thank you. like I could show up and do this forever. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And and I want to put some story to that, like to give listeners a context or something. So I, you know, being a school principal, I was a school principal and I was always trying to do the social and emotional stuff. And I was, and I, I would get to the root of the disruption. And often the disruption was like a soul pattern. Yeah. And education doesn't have like a way of talking about that. Mm-hmm. So I started to, um, I was like, I don't know why, but I'm going to start Reiki certifications because I was called to energy work. I have no idea why, like, or I had no idea why. And I started to like save up and take one Reiki certification and then save up and take another. And then I was working with kids with autism and hmm. recognizing their multi-dimensionality and like yes. this, you know, this, the, the new, codes that are coming through even the autism. And I'm talking to the children about, they really like to study the dimensions through a science perspective. They were like high school boys. And, you know, I had studied mindfulness and education and, and energy work and my own spiritual path for a long time. And so we were able to talk about how to access the dimensions like through the mind you know like mm. if you don't settle the mind you're not going to get to these other dimensions and so we were having this conversation that was full circle and then my volunteer work was reiki for moms of kids with autism you know it was like ah. like just following this path of like yes. what in the world is going to unfold um and in and, and you're like okay this is this is what's next and um, the and you know like fast forward and not all that many years later like 2 3 years later my energy work is so advanced quite honestly and i have no idea how i know how to do it woo because it's a remembrance mm-hmm. and i think even the like the courage to claim that took a long time like it's still coming online well, that's know? why like, i gave you the woo cuz you claimed exactly. it you were- <laughs> I am powerful. <laughs> well, we talked about like not playing small anymore. right? Yeah. So yeah. But the, like there, there's stuff that I know how to do that. I don't know how I know it in this lifetime. The only, the only explanation is that I'm remembering mm-hmm. from an ancient remembrance. Yes. Right. Yes. So yes. Like to, to encourage women to keep going and like pick up the morsels that Mm. call to you. You know, I have a Mm. friend who, like the ancestral work calls to her and she always had big questions about ancestry. And, you know, recently she was in a situation where she was um, the only one in a um, memorial service who could see beyond this Mm. life. And she was helping this soul pass through and working with this soul's ancestry. And I was like, Mm. My god, you know we're called we are called forward yes. um to our soul mission and we are going to have to have the courage to trust it. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz like this world doesn't necessarily like cheer that on. But we do. Emily and I will cheer you on. Well, we will cheer <laughs> you on. And
1: I'd like to just add your soul purpose, your soul mission leaves clues. It's going to yes. leave clues for you. And what I shared of my experience in Hollywood of how I began to acquire these skills. See, there were little clues along the way. Hey, get really good at the law of attraction. Hey, begin to explore Qigong. Hey, you're a storyteller. You can begin to extract the story from people and help them tune in to that storyline. Just like Sarah shared, there were clues along the way. You were obviously a leader your whole life. You're leading schools. There was opportunity for you to dive in and work with, These high level beings that society had put a label on Mm -hmm. as not being high level, but truly, man, when you can begin to dive into that interdimensionality and that work, there are clues for you all along the way. So if you are still in what we would consider a nine to five job, something still based in the matrix or in the 3D, there are clues there for you that you will take with you. When you do emerge into the 5Ds, just begin to examine the aspects of your life and how you're showing up in the places that you feel the most fulfilled. And there is a spiritual significance to that. There is a mystical remembrance to who you are inherently located in those things that light you up, that make you more curious, that say, "Ooh, I got to know more about this or why did I feel so crazy amazing in that space? talking Mm -hmm. how to break through dimensions with the autistic children.
0: Yeah. Right. 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 Absolutely. And on this podcast, we talk about how part of women's leadership and feminine leadership is going to be to infiltrate those spaces with the 5D consciousness. Yes. So that it's not always a matter of leaving those, those places when you, are on your path of remembering, but rather, you know, like we're getting filled up and then we're going in and we're changing Yes, the spaces. And so a lot of my work right now is actually like putting on the, you know, <laughs> the business attire, like as businessy mm-hmm. as I get in Asheville, North Carolina, and like going back into the executive spaces, going back into like working with, with leaders, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we get it, we got to get back in, there to like change the game. <laughs> I, love
1: I, know? I, I know we got to wrap up here, but I'm like, you, I yeah, could just yeah. keep talking all day. But I love that leadership, the word leadership is coming up because so many of us, we identify ourselves as leaders, yet being a leader can be scary because there's a paradigm that says you got to have your shit together and you have to know yeah. what's up if you're going to yeah. lead people through a process. And I just want to invite you and everyone listening to another definition of leadership. And leadership simply means I go first. I go first. Uh, we're pioneers. You think that when when you know Lewis and Clark first crossed the Mississippi River and they were standing there seeing this, you know, frontier land in front of them for the very first time, they knew they had all the answers? Hell no. Great. But guess what? They went first. And that's
0: what leadership is. Ooh, thank you for that. Mm. Thank you for that. So um, do you have any, any events coming up, any travel uh, experiences coming up, anything you want to share about what you're offering in the world for listeners to seek you out and your work and get in touch with you
1: if they want to? Yes, lots of experiences. Well, by, by the time this podcast airs, in one week, we will be heading into Mount Shasta, the ancient vortexes there. That are available for so much remembrance. And this trip is all about our ancient remembrance. And if you are excited and you're like, darn, I wish I would have gotten that, gotten on board for that trip. This is gonna be a yearly experience. So there will be more opportunities to travel into sacred vortexes with me. And for those of you who are excited to learn more about your Akashic Records, I'll invite you into a free call with me. And let's talk about what this could potentially mean for you what this could open up for you in your life. And to find a link to that free call, I'm just going to invite you to go to the website, theakashicacademy.com. That's the THE-AK-A-SH-IC,AC-A-D-EM-Y.com, And go to the contact information and hop on my schedule. Let's connect. But there are also a couple of free gifts that I want to leave everyone with. So going to the website, you can find a free class that will help you begin to uplevel your psychic senses, your intuitive senses. It's a really powerful um, one-hour webinar that's going to give you super practical exercises that will take you like three to five seconds a day to work on that will drastically up-level Your clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, claircognizance. This is is how we communicate intuitively. Intuition is our ability to know things instantly. And we're pulling that information from the field with our inner eyes, our inner ears, our inner knowingness, our inner feeling. And I give you some very practical exercises that will strengthen those muscles for you. That's one free gift. I'm going to offer you two. The second free gift that I would like to offer you is... A free edition of our magazine, the Akashic Magazine, which is a Mm. quarterly publication. And in order to get that free copy, I'm going to invite you to text on your phone 33777. That's the number you're going to text. Text the word magazine. Just the word magazine to 33777. And you will get the latest copy of the Akashic Magazine, which functions like a metaphysician's handbook. And I might have made that word metaphysician up, but that's cool because I make up words all the time. I actually <laughs> am keeping a glossary of all the made-up words oh, that I've done along the way that I, will, that I will publish in my first book. And I'll invite you guys to pick up, pick up a copy of that magazine. And for any of you out there who are writers as well, This is a great place to be published. We take um, contributions every quarter. So there will be more information for you in there about how you can contribute as well.
0: Thank you so much. I'm going to check out all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for being a guest here today and sharing your light and your wisdom.
1: Mm, Thank you for receiving it and inviting me into this space. It's been a beautiful morning spending this time with you Sarah thank you.
0: Mm, thank you. Hey, how was that for you? I hope you enjoyed. There were so many nuggets of wisdom. I really invite you to go on over to Facebook slash groups slash sacred remembering and join that group. It's totally free and we have conversations about what's popping in the episodes and um, you can bring up anything you want in that group. Ask for support from women who are on the path of sacred remembering themselves. Um, so in this episode, clearly there there were some events that were talked about um, that are now affected by the pandemic. We recorded this in February and it's now the end of April. And so um, I left those in there specifically because what Emily is offering is so rich. And I have no doubt that while those things will be rescheduled, um, you know, Emily is really tuning into what is going on in the collective right now and her offerings in the future uh, will. Probably be made stronger for what we're experiencing on the planet right now. So, um, you know, follow Emily, visit her website, get those freebies, and um, many, many blessings to you. I hope this episode has served, and we will see you in May for a full month of talking about the mother, about parenting, about the mother archetype, about loss uh, raising boys, um, the whole, the gamut, such richness. So we'll see you soon. Bye. This is Sarah poet of embodied breath. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, SaraPoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected and here's to your path of sacred remembering.